Today's reading comes from Mark's Gospel, where Jesus feeds the 5,000, chapter 6, starting from verse 30. The apostle gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that you can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus told them to make all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them, um, among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten was 5,000. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm just going to pray for Steve before he shares with us. Lord God, I really thank you for Steve. I thank you for the preparation he's put into this talk, Lord. I just pray that you'd really be preparing our hearts to really listen to what he has to say and that we would not prepare to be interrupted by you. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Verity. Got a new zapper here. Good. Lovely to see you all. Uh, Just before the service, I was talking to uh, some of our friends from the Chinese church. Uh, They've got an interesting situation on their hands. Um, They are inundated with Hong Kong Chinese people. Uh, In fact, there are more Hong Kong Chinese coming over and wanting to join the church than there are church members. They tried to have a little church meeting after the service, but there were too few church members to be quartered. And within the church, some of the particularly old folk are wondering, do we really want all these people? Now, as you listen to me talk about that, you're probably thinking, there's something not quite right there. And uh, we need to pray for the church, pray for them at this time, uh, because this is a time of wonderful opportunity as people come over from Hong Kong. But that dynamic of There's a wonderful opportunity, but I'm not sure I can cope. It's something that is played out, not just in churches, but in our individual lives. I wonder whether you recognize that within yourself as well. That you, maybe you have been in situations like that, where there's a wonderful opportunity, but actually survival, your survival, is your highest point on the agenda. And this passage, in Mark chapter 6, speaks into that. I believe it's a real word for us today. 
Uh, if you look around, we are at a point where we need to rebuild, guys. We need to rebuild. In a month's time, less than a month's time, students will be arriving in Nottingham. Kez will be welcoming them. They need a church to come to. They need people who are going to welcome them. They need people who are uh, maybe not that much older than them, but old enough to take that big brother, big sister role and care for them as they come and explore what is life all about away from mum and dad. We're at the point of rebuilding, and you are the team. And this is for you. Now, as I speak, I just want you to think of a time when you have been absolutely starving. Maybe it just have been this afternoon, I don't know. But I, I remember um, when my kids were young, I'd going to collect them from school. And collect them from school, and we'd be walking back home, and I'd say, what have you done today? Nothing. And it was so disappointing. You'd be looking forward to seeing your kids, and they had nothing to say. And I, I, initially, I sort of took this as a, a personal insult, until I realized, actually, they're just thinking about one thing. They're going to get through the door, and they're going to get a bowl, and they're going to pour some cereal into that bowl, and they're going to stuff their faces, because they're starving. And we all reach that point, don't we, where, where we just can't think about anything else. Even today, actually, even today when our kids come home, they say, hi, mum and dad, give us a hug, and they go straight to the fridge. Maybe, maybe you can identify with that. Bear that in mind, because throughout this story, this incident, I say it's not a story, is it an incident? Did you notice that little little bit of detail that Mark gives when everyone sits down. He says they sat down on the green grass. Totally superfluous, that word green, isn't it? But it's the, it's the word of an eyewitness. This was in springtime. You remember? Oh yeah, the grass was green. So in this incident, the disciples are starving. And I just want to think, uh, to think a little bit about um, What's going on here? So, we just, first of all, just going to think about rest. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. They'd been on mission. Jesus had sent them out on mission, and they'd gone, and they'd, they'd really kind of moved beyond their comfort zone. And they had healed people in Jesus' name. They'd preached the gospel. And they came back, and they were, they were buzzing but they were tired. I remember when I was 22, I had uh, been on a summer mission with OM, Operation Mobilization. I'd, I'd been asked to lead a team. I was the youngest member of that team and I was leading it. It was, it was like overstretch, really. I had a married couple in that team who were kind of 10, 20, 15 years older than me. I had a, a guy on the team who was a submariner from the US. He was a difficult guy to have on your team. And, and I got back to, uh, to Belgium where all the teams had been sent out from. And I was wrung out. I was excited but wrung out. And my friend and mentor, Nigel Lee, met me. And he said, how's it gone, Steve? And I told him. And he said, look, tell you what. Let's not go to the session tonight. Man United are playing Anderlecht. Let's go and watch that. So we skipped the session. And we went to watch Man United together and have some fish and chips. 
And it was wonderful. It's just what I needed because I was so wrung out. Here are the disciples. They come back from mission. They are tired. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so you can just imagine them, can't you? They, they, they get in the boat. They went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. Get in the boat. Maybe someone knows. I am starving. We're all starving. And we've only got five loaves and two fish between the 13 of us. This is not going to be a great meal. But nevertheless, I'm starving. Give me some of that food. Now, we've just been thinking about rest. We've been thinking about the rhythms of rest over the summer. We've been thinking about, um, let me just refresh my memory. We've been thinking about silence and solitude, about Sabbath, simplicity, and slowing. And I just wonder, as we've done this series, just raise your hand. Has anyone changed anything in their life as a result of this? A few. Okay. Well, that's good. Because we need these rhythms of rest. And Jesus knew that his disciples needed them. He wanted them to have rest. He wanted them to have refreshment. He himself had rhythms in his life. The Sabbath was part of his life. There were the Jewish festivals, of course, but he also had other rhythms, like every morning he would get up early to pray. We know that because Mark 1 is like a day in the life of Jesus. It's portrayed as like a day in the life of Jesus, and he gets up and goes to pray early. So we need these rhythms. Jesus wants you to have rest. He wants you to have those special times when you can recover. He wants you to have those times where you are by yourself with him in a quiet place. But no matter how many times we make resolutions that we're going to shape our lives in a certain way, they always come crashing down at some point. Even Jesus. So that little bit I refer to, chapter, chapter 1, Mark, Mark's Gospel, verse 35. There is Jesus having his time of quiet with the Father early in the morning before it was dark, uh, before it was light even, while it was still dark. And what happens next? The disciples come and interrupt that time. The Son of God communing with the Father and the disciples barge in. And they say, everyone's looking for you. Well, bang goes that time of quiet. And, you know, that is always the case. Very often, when after a summer, I meet other church leaders who have said, God has really spoken to me over the summer. You know, if you're going to lead others, you've got to first lead yourself. And I've made these resolutions. I'm going to shape my life this way. Monday's going to be like that. Tuesday's going to be like that. Wednesday's like that. Once a month, I'm having a quiet day. Blah, blah, blah. And then you say, okay, well, when can we meet up? Oh, I can't do that because I've got this resolution. I can't do that because I've got that resolution. And sooner or later, it has to crumble. Life breaks in. Reality hits. Verse 33. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. 
Well, I wonder whether you've experienced that recently, maybe even in this week. You've got something planned, it's just for you. And reality hits. The kids are awake all night. That friend of yours, who you know you've got to be there for her or him, but you know, it, it's very draining. They phone you up again. Whatever it is, reality starts to hit. And I don't know about you, but this, I find, shows up so many things in me. It, it really affects, it, it, it highlights my need to be in control, for one thing. And, you know, I just feel control going. It, it highlights m my need for security. Because, you know, you, you may be thinking, you know, I can get through tomorrow if I have a good night's sleep tonight. Or I can get through this next year if I can save so much money. Whatever. But the demand is there. And so it affects our need for security. It also exposes my selfishness. Hey, this is my time. And so reality bites the disciples just as it does the rest of us. You see, rest is important. But reality breaks in. And you know, it's not just about the resolutions we make. And you know, if you didn't put your hand up earlier, maybe you need to go back and listen to some of those talks and make a few resolutions. But it's not just about the resolutions, it's about what happens when the resolutions can't be followed through about our reactions. You know, it's not just our actions that show who we are, it's our reactions. Our reactions show more who we are, don't they? So, verse 34. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they uh, were like sheep without a shepherd. That's an interesting phrase. It's a phrase that crops up in, in the Old Testament quite a lot. So, in the book of Numbers, when... Um, Moses is talking to God about his successor, he, who becomes Joshua. He prays, Lord, don't let them be like, a, like sheep without a shepherd. So this is about leadership. Jesus is the supreme leader. He sees the need and he knows what to do. He sees them like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Just imagine that. So you're the disciple, okay? You're, wait, you're desperate for your lunch. He teaches them many things. Come on, just one parable would be enough, surely. You know, this is not just like a you know, reluctant dad at bedtime. Oh, dad, one more story. Okay, one more. And then it's lights out. No, he teaches them many things. So by this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat, Jesus. So our reactions really are the things that show who we are most, aren't they? And Jesus has this instinctive reaction. You probably know, many of you will know, it's, it's a word... Uh, compassion is translated as compassion. 
but it, it, it's, um, it's, a, it's a visceral thing. It's, it's to do with the bowels. It's, it's, it's something that you feel deep inside of you, and it's often used of Jesus, that, 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 that he just can't help himself. It's like a mother cannot help but respond to the cry of their baby. Jesus can't help himself. His reaction is pure. And the reaction of the disciples, come on, Jesus, send them away. Now, I know which of those reactions is often most like me. And I'm, I, I think this is really important because we are in a season of rebuilding. And if you were going to get behind that, the demands are going to be high. And you will want to just be alone with Jesus, getting what you need. But reality is going to bite. And your reactions are going to betray you. And, and as we said, they, they, they betray our, our need for control, our, our selfishness, our, our, our insecurities. And we just need to keep bringing those before the Lord, don't we, as, as they're exposed. Lovely to see the newly married. You know, when you get married, it's great, but it exposes you, doesn't it? It's like a big mirror. Goodness me, I didn't realize I was this selfish. Yeah, you really are. And then when the, you know, got babies on the way over here. When the baby comes along, yeah, you are, you're, you're more selfish than you ever thought you were. Yeah, yeah because it just exposes who you are. We've got, to, we've got to keep coming back to the Lord, haven't we, and saying, this is who I am, Lord. I, I, I need something more than me. The people I live with and love, they need something more than me. Where is it going to come from? This brings us on to the subject of resources. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Now then, just imagine, you're, you're one of these disciples, you are starving, you are desperate for Jesus to get hold of the fact that food is probably the most important thing on anybody's agenda at this moment in time. And he says, you give them something to eat. Now why does he do that? Why does Jesus do that? Are, are these not his chosen disciples does he not care for them why couldn't he just you know give them give the crowd one parable send them home and then give the disciples what he promised them he promised to give them after all some time alone with him some rest and now he's saying you give them something to eat when he jolly well knows they've got nothing to give him give this crowd why does he do that It is not that he doesn't care for them. And when God puts you in that situation, it is not that he does not care for you. Jesus is actually bringing his disciples to a point where he's going to give them a gift far bigger than they can imagine. And he says to them, you give themselves something to eat. But I've got limited time. I've got limited energy. I've got very limited kindness and love. 
I've got limited patience, I've got limited space, I've got limited food, I've got limited money. Well, how much have you got? We've got five loaves and two fish, which is like half a sandwich, less than half a sandwich each when we finally get round to eat. But Jesus will return to this again. Just look ahead in chapter 8, verse 17. If you've got a Bible on your device, or maybe even a real Bible. Chapter 8, verse, well, from verse 14. The disciples had forgotten to bring bread, except for one loaf with them in the boat. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another, and they said, it's because we've got no bread. <laughs> we've done it again. We've only got one loaf, the 13 of us. What are we going to do with that? And Jesus says to them, <clears throat> aware of this discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you not have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? Twelve, they replied. And if you look back in the start of this chapter, he's, all, he's just read, fed 4,000. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many basketfuls of pieces did you pick up? They answered seven. And he said to them, do you still not understand? In other words, in this, there is something you've really, really got to understand. This that I'm giving to you by telling you, you give them something to eat. It's the most important thing I can teach you. Get it. So what is he saying? Well, what do you do when you realize that your resources are very limited? Well, first thing you can do maybe is to calculate. Do a calculation. And we do this all the time, don't we? There are so many refugees in the world. I've got so much in my bank balance, uh, if I'm going to be prudent, I can perhaps afford to give X to an online appeal. You, you do those calculations? So, so here the, the disciples are doing this calculation. And the calculation is, as someone's got their, their calculator out, this would take 200 denarii, which is variously translated as nearly half a year, uh, uh, half a year's wage for a, for a laborer, or eight months wage, wage, wages, it says in, in one translation. But it, it's that amount of money. Someone's worked it out. Okay, about roughly about 5,000 men, it says. I don't know whether women and children are in addition to that or whether this was a male crowd. 5,000 uh, divided by... Okay, worked it out. We could do that. I mean, they did have resources... You know, Judas was the treasurer. Some wealthy women supported Jesus' ministry. So, you know, maybe they did have those resources. They could perhaps do the calculation, make it work. That's one option. Second option is capitulation. Hey, look, we've got five loaves and two fish. Don't be ridiculous. We can't do anything. And maybe you face that reaction sometimes. Do you recognize that in yourself? No point trying. We just haven't got enough. Forget it. What's on telly? The third option is consecration. And this is what Jesus does. 
Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. Just notice that phrase. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. Well, looking up to heaven, what does that mean? It is indicative of prayer. In the parable of the uh, tax collector and the Pharisee, it says that the, the tax collector could not even look up to heaven to pray. But actually, if you look at the next chapter, chapter 7, and verse uh, 31, you see that there's another incident in the life of Jesus. This is a, a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment, and um, some people brought him, to, the man, to Jesus and begged Jesus to place his hands on them. And it says this, verse 33. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears and he spat and touched the man's tongue and he looked up to heaven. And with a deep sigh, he said to him, Afatha, which means be opened. So there's a pattern in this, isn't there? So Jesus takes this totally inadequate amount of food and he looks up to heaven. He sees this man who needs healing. He sort of plugs himself into him, looks up to heaven. So at this point, when we realize that our resources are too small, something can kick in which is supernatural. Forget your calculations. Forget capitulation. This is consecration. This is saying, okay, here I am. And, and Jesus is doing that. He's saying, Father, Ephatha. It's like the breath. See, the Son, looking up to the Father and breathing out the Spirit. And I believe that we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and we need to see God move supernaturally. People are not going to be really one to Jesus through our neat calculations. You know, well, over five years, we can put together X, Y, and Z and we can perhaps do the X. Forget it. They can get that from the government. They're certainly not going to be won over by our capitulation saying, hey, we just don't have enough. There's nothing we can do. But actually, consecration and seeing the power of God work, this is what Jesus really wants his disciples to understand. They've been out on mission, for goodness sake. They've had to depend on the Holy Spirit. So surely they can learn this. And I believe it's what God wants to teach us as well. Just imagine how this story might have ended. Mark tells the story. So Jesus taught the crowd all day, and eventually he sent them away, and we finally got down to eat our sandwich. It was all rotten and moldy by the time we got it, and we only had half a sandwich each anyway. Not much of an ending, is it? Or maybe it would be, we did the calculations, and we sent Judas to go down to Little because they were selling the cheapest rolls, and we fed the 5,000. Great. Or this just had 
five loaves and two fish. But Jesus fed them all. And we all got a full picnic basket for ourselves at the end of it, which is far more than we would have done if we just shared out our measly little offering in the first place. So, um, Jesus says to us, well, you give him something to eat. You give him something to eat. 